Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with Real Housewives of Orange County star, Bronwyn Wyndham Burke. Thanks for coming on the show, Bronwyn. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so, I'm so happy I get to be here. Yeah, I, I hear you. It's a, it's a real blessing for sure. And I'm, I'm just pumped to have you here. I want to hear all about what it was like getting sober, having like the entire world watching. Uh, but first, I was hoping you could share a little about where this all started for you. So where does your relationship with alcohol actually start, would you say? I mean, I remember it so vividly. I was 14. It was the summer before my freshman year of high school. I grew up in Laguna Beach and I was at up in the hills on a beach called Rock Pile. It was a warm keystone that someone gave me and I never felt like I fit in. I was always uncomfortable in my own skin. I just, it was, I never, I just never felt good enough. And I remember taking a sip of that warm beer and just going, (laughs) yeah, this, this is good. And I had grown up in a house where I knew my dad was an alcoholic uh, and but he wasn't a big part of my life. And I knew my aunt was an alcoholic. When I'd been in middle school, she'd had an alcoholic seizure and went to Betty Ford and we never talked about it. All the alcohol disappeared from everyone's home and family functions, but we never spoke about it. And so it always had this allure to me as something fun and forbidden. So I started drinking 14 and I never really stopped until I got pregnant. And looking back, I never drank responsibly. Um, at the time, I feel like a lot of us didn't in high school, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people drank till they threw up. A lot of people drank and passed out. Sure. No one, you know, I never thought, Oh, I'm an alcoholic too. Um, and then I just kind of had a great time. In my opinion, I was living the, the dream in the nineties and my mom sent me to boarding school. She kind of saw me going down a path that she didn't like. So she sent me to boarding school thinking that would help, but boarding school was just uh, more kids with less supervision and more money. Yeah. And so, you know, and it was like, that's when I kind of started experimenting with other things. Um, you know, I definitely had outside issues besides drinking. Sure. Um, but it was still fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was fun. And then I went to college and, um, I definitely got myself into some situations that weren't fun. I think that's when, you know, fun with problems started. Mm-hmm. I would get myself into situations and things happened that weren't great because I was blackout drunk. Um, I know when I was in high school, I was date raped because I was too drunk to stop it, yeah. you know, but I never said anything. And I just sort of, you know, kept my mouth shut and, you know, was little beach girl. Um, and then I met Sean and we had fun together but and we drink to excess but we were still 21 you know that was normal everyone was drinking to excess. i feel like i was 21 and then i got pregnant and uh i'm so grateful for the fact that i got pregnant so much many times because i know it for a fact it saved my life so i had bella i had rowan i had jacob kind of in quick succession wasn't drinking i never drank when i was pregnant or nursing Um, And then when Jacob was about two, I weaned him and Sean and I were for the first time in our lives, we had money, we had a nanny and it was just game on. Hmm. And that ended pretty disastrously. Um, We had to move locations, you know, we pulled a geographic and I tried to get, I tried to get sober that time. Didn't work. 
we lived in DC. I had a really bad bottom that ended me in the psych ward. And uh, I knew the answer was to stop drinking, but it was the one thing I didn't want to do. Sure. You know, so I tried antidepressants. I tried AA. I remember walking to the room. Do you want what we have? I'm like, oh no, not me. I don't belong here. Um, (laughs) I I might understand that a little bit. You know, I'm I'm different. And that was sort of a cycle that I was in. I tried to get sober again in Miami. Mm -hmm. Once again, my ego was, you know, huge. I had a huge ego and very little Mm self-esteem, you know? Yeah. Um, and it just kind of progressed like that. And then, then I got pregnant again. Then I had the twins and I had Koa and I had Hazel. And I don't know if this is for everyone, but for me being pregnant and nursing, I never had the urge to drink. Okay. Um, looking back, I was definitely not sober. Mm-hmm. I shopped a lot. I planned parties. I was very manic in other ways um, because for me, and I've said this, and I will say this forever, for me, I had to gain everything to realize that what I needed wasn't external. Yeah. So for me, this hole that was inside of me, I would fill it with whatever I could find. Mm -hmm. None of it worked. Um, And so I was sober for seven years uh, because I was having said, I had no four kids so quickly. Yeah. And um, I got the show, I got Real Housewives of Orange County and I weaned the baby and I thought, oh, I'm fine. If I was an alcoholic, I wouldn't have been able to go that long. I'm right. fine. Yeah. Right. That makes total sense. Sure. And, um, it, you know, if you watch season 14, you just see me being kind of crazy and out of control, but I p- was playing it off as, oh, I deserve this. I've been a mom. This is my free time. This is, you know, like mm-hmm. I earned this, this is my year to let loose. And that was all like a lie. The truth was I was an alcoholic. I was drinking to excess. There was no reason behind it. The reason that I drink the way I did was because I can't, because one drink is not enough and you know, 10 is too many or yeah. wait, one drink is too many and 10 is not enough. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, well, so you, you've, you've un- unpacked a lot there. You know, one thing <laughs> I'll, I'll just rewind and say that I appreciate you being honest about saying that at one point it was fun. Because I yeah. think a lot of the times, like, it's like, oh, no, I always hated it. And it's like, no, if I always hated it, like, why would we be doing it initially, right? I had so much fun. I've had so much fun in my life. And a lot of those fun times involved a lot of drinking mm-hmm. and a lot of other stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah, and, yeah, I get and, that. And, I, you know, a lot of people, that's, a lot of people can manage it. Sure. I couldn't, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, that's not my personality. Well, and so you're describing this, this progression, right, in, in your story. And eventually, you know, there are some consequences that start to happen. And, and there's other things that are going on down the line. What is the pro- progression of consumption look like? I mean, is it kind of always steady? Is it always just like, were you drinking all day? Like, what did that, what did that look like when you were drinking? Um, I'll t- like the last time, cause that was really the one that got me sober was this last right. year of season mm-hmm. 14 of the show. Mm-hmm. It started out kind of normal. I would okay. say, no, that's not even true. No, <laughs> it kind of normal for me, you know, okay. like I would okay. go out and have five or six drinks. Okay. That's actually not normal mm-hmm. <laughs> for someone my size. Sure. Um, but still not anything where people would kind of comment on it. You know, it wasn't. And so I would go out, I would get drunk and then I'd come home and go to bed. And that kind of stayed for a little while. And then, then it got a little more. And then it got to the point where I'd wake up hungover. So I'd be like, well, I should have a drink. Mm. And, and then I'd have to have another drink. And so then during filming, I was hiding alcohol in like soda cans. Um, we were on a trip to Arizona and on the third day, I wasn't even hiding. I had a bottle of tequila in my bag because their job is not to tell us what to do. Their job is to film us. So if I said, hey, can I get a bottle of tequila? It appears without judgment. And I'm literally swigging out of it that third day. They had to cut that whole day out of filming. Um, Production had to like beg to let me on the plane home because I passed out in a stranger's lap. And I think if, if if I recall correctly, I think you mentioned in one of the episodes that when you're diving into this a little bit more, that you were physically dependent on, on alcohol too, right? Like you were having some withdrawal symptoms during Absolutely. all this. Towards the end, 
I would say towards the last two months, I was drinking around the clock. Okay. So I, I, I would pass out, but then I would wake up the anxiety. I, I don't know how I lived with it so long. I would wake up in the middle of the night, so anxious, clutching my pillow. I'd try sleeping on the floor I'd pace around the house. Like that anxiety from the withdrawal was debilitating. And this was my normal. I would sleep on my floor in a ball, just trying to get some sleep. Wow. Um, and the only thing that would comment was to drink more. So I was hiding bottles of tequila in my closet. I had flask in different places and I was drinking around the clock. Um, the weekend I got sober, we were in Miami and I was drinking about every 15 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you mentioning that on the show. So, and one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that, or there's a few things that we might talk about. And look, this is just, I'm going into this blank slate, right? Like I, no, no judgment. I can imagine that things get, you know, edited certain ways and, yeah. and all kinds of crazy stuff, you know? So, um, and I'm just thinking like, thank God I was never on TV. Like this would have been, it, it would have been a wreck, you know? I mean, uh, probably way, way worse than, than what anyone, uh, you know, saw you doing or what they, they cut out, like you said. But, you know, one of the things that you mentioned was being pregnant. And you said that that was really, you kind of felt like when you would get out of control with the drinking that, part of your answer in your mind was to get pregnant again. Yeah. Can you explain that? Like I was, because when I heard that, I was like, okay, I need, I need to know more about like the thinking behind this. So for me, not drinking and being sober are two very different things, Sure, uh, yeah. but I didn't know that for a long time. Mm. So when I knew I had to stop drinking, I was out of control. I didn't want to go to AA meetings. Can I say AA here? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to go to AA meetings. Mm -hmm. I had tried them and for, you know, and it just, I didn't want that. I, I didn't felt like I belong. Like I said, I, I was, I felt better than everyone in that room. You know, I did have a huge ego. Um, and so for me, instead of dealing with the problems, cause I would get to like my fourth and fifth step and be like, no, I'm done. This is stupid. Um, I'll just have a baby, you know, and then I will focus on that. So I don't have to get healthy. I don't have to heal. I don't have to make amends because I don't want to make amends. I don't want to do that. You know, I want to yeah. hold on to my resentment, like my little pets. So it was like, I knew that if I got pregnant, then I would be focused on that. I didn't have to focus on myself. I didn't have to focus on sobriety. I could just not drink and put all of my energy into this new creation. And that's where I would get my fulfillment from that, that intangible thing that I could never grasp. Maybe this will give it to me, you know, yeah. another baby that'll fix my problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get that. And I think you said a moment ago, like kind of looking for that external fix, right. Or people, you know, people in the rooms will talk about the God size hole or, you know, whatever you want to call it. I think that's probably a, a pretty good description for, for me anyway, and what I was doing. That makes a lot of sense. And, and when I heard you describe that um, or, or say that on the show, the first word or thought that kind of came to my mind was like unmanageability. Like, I think that like yeah. that, that is, I think, you know, um, a, a good example of that. My life was definitely unmanageable and I was too wrapped up in it to see it, you know, instead mm -hmm. of focusing on me and the work I needed to do on myself, it was all about the external and just keeping busy, staying on this hamster wheel where I didn't have to acknowledge it. Let's yeah. plan a trip. Let's have a baby. Hmm. Let's go shopping, whatever, whatever I had to do to not do this. I, I didn't want to do this. I, yeah. Like every time I got close, it was like, no, no, no. So you had, you had tried all these things in the past, like, and, and there's this day where you're just, you know, you're, you're, you're drinking all day, basically what what was the turning point like when did you just say like or, or what actually just walk me through what happened because i i don't i don't know the story so tell me tell me what happened there we were in miami yeah. one of my um cast members was having a party for her then fiance he was turning 60 in right. miami four-day event um i had had a really bad experience the day before we left with some school moms where i got drunk 
at 11 in the afternoon and said some really mean things to someone that I have a lot of respect for. And the next morning I called another mom at the, t- at the lunch and said, did I do anything I should be embarrassed about? And she's like, yeah, honey, you did. Mm. So I had written those moms, not close friends, but women that I knew and was brutally honest. I have a problem. I need help. I'm sorry. And uh, I went to Miami planning on not drinking. It lasted for 10 minutes after I landed. And the first night was okay. Oh, look, I don't have a problem. The second night, not great. The third night, I don't remember much, but then I was, I wouldn't leave. Like, I know I didn't leave the hotel room because now I was at that point of where you don't want to leave because you're not having fun anymore. You're just existing. Sure. Yeah. And, and then the last night there, it was, God, I knew I had to fly home. I knew my children were waiting. I knew I couldn't stop drinking. I couldn't physically stop. And I went and told Sean and Sean was angry at me at this point. I mean, he was so angry. And, uh, and I said, I need help. Then he sat on me. He physically restrained me the rest of that night till we got on the plane to keep me from drinking. Wow. Um, and I always want to say this when I'm doing things, that was not a good choice. Um, don't detox on your own. Don't detox on a plane. I, I, was, I made a very bad decision that could have cost me my life. Luckily it didn't, but always seek you know, medical help in that situation. But um, we landed, I came home and I paced in this room. I paced, I couldn't be around my children. I couldn't be around anyone. It was just, I couldn't sit still. I was just, it was so painful. And uh, my mom was here. She's a doctor. She gave me like a Valium to just calm me down. Sure. I got through the night, which could have saved my life too. I mean, that's very possible that could have saved my life. Um, and then the next day, the very next day, I was meeting with production for the show to kind of go over what's going on in your life. And I told them that day that I was going on a cleanse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, it, then the next day we went on a ski trip with the family. Bad. I talk about it on the show. That's where I lashed out at Sean and I slapped him. Yeah, right. Um, it was not great. I didn't, looking back, going on a family trip, three days sober and detoxing was probably not a great choice. Mm-hmm. You know, I should have been in a detox center. Um, I really thought I could manage it on my own. So something happened, something stupid, you know, I didn't like the condo we were in, but that was like, I'm done. Uh, I'm going to go drink. I deserve this. And he just, he was holding me and he's like, no, you're not. You don't want this. You don't want this. If you don't drink right now, I'm taking the kids and I'm leaving. And I slapped him. And, um, I, it, people in social media were very upset with me for that. They're like, yeah. how could you do that? Right. Yet. I think anyone that's in recover who's gone through it is like, you were insane at that point. Like sure. you were, you know, a caged animal trying to get their fix. Like, obviously you should never hurt anyone. I'm not making excuses for it. But like, I remember in that moment, I was willing to give up my family, my children, my husband to go have another drink. I didn't, I didn't care. I was willing to give all of it up, walk away from it all because I wanted to go have a drink. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So you, you do detox and then what happens from there? Like, do you end up going to a treatment center for a little bit? Do you end up going to meetings? Like what, what do you, what's the next step? So I had signed a contract. I had to be at work. Um, I had a job to do and I, I called someone who is on another show. Her name is Captain Sandy. Yeah. Captain Sandy. Yeah. Love her. I called her. Um, her girlfriend, Leah, grew up in Orange County and, and we're friendly. And so I called Leah and I said, I need to talk to Sandy. Um, you know, I'm four days sober, five days sober. I need help. Yeah. And so Sandy got on the phone and she she gave me a lot of wonderful advice, like a lot. But the That's one awesome. thing she said that stood out the most was you had no problem getting drunk on camera. Why are you having such a hard time getting sober? Because I told her I hadn't told them the truth. She's like, it's accountability. If you admit to this on camera, then you trouble. And I was like, oh my God, she's right. I need, so I didn't pause. I called my producer. I said, this is the truth. I'm an alcoholic. I've been hiding this from you guys. Let's do this. And he's like, are you sure? I said, absolutely. Let's tell the story. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. So, uh, you know, because I I do want to ask you about a few things on the show, but just like in terms of jumping into recovery 
what what, it, what does that actually look like for you initially? Like what what is the what's the action that you take? I guess I didn't. I just thought I could do it on my own. I, okay. Um, my ego was so big still. Okay. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I can't, I can't go to a meeting. People know who I am. Okay. Okay. So I want to ask you about <laughs> this. Like one of the scenes that I was watching was you and some other ladies. I think you got a lake house, right? Yeah. We we're yes. Okay. And so you're all at the lake house and you're there. So how, how long had you been sober at this point? So that was July or August. And okay. I got sober in January. Okay. Okay. So six or seven months, six, six or seven months. Okay. So, but they are, they're drinking, they're, they're partying, they're doing their thing. Like they, they would normally do. And I think a couple of times, like they asked, like, are you okay? And, and, but there's a moment where you're clearly having a tough time. I think you break away to, to call Sean maybe. And so you know, I, I know, like for me personally, I know that like, I just, and not to say that we don't make mistakes, right? Yeah. Um, looking back at that, and maybe you wouldn't have, I know that like, I just couldn't do any of that for a while. I literally just had to like put social life on, on hold pretty much, but, but you yeah. had to be at work, right? So, I had, and that's, I think that's one thing too. Like, I'm actually, yeah. I have, I'm getting teary eyed because um, leading up to that trip was, I had such bad anxiety. I was on the phone three yeah. or four times with my producers trying to get out of it. Yeah, yeah. I really didn't want to go. Um, I knew I wasn't ready. And I knew I wasn't ready. Yeah. I knew that I was going to be in a situation that I wasn't prepared for. These women are not my friends, you know? That's, if I was going on a trip with my friends, it would have been a very different situation. These sure. women aren't my friends, they're my coworkers. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and not even that, I, the, most of them don't like me. <laughs> it's like, for being brutally honest, they don't particularly like me. So I knew I was going into a very tense, volatile situation. Yeah. Um, you know, I brought my books with me. I asked for my own hotel and they gave that to me. Okay, uh, yeah. And, you know, I was like, I can't stay in this house with this woman, I can't. Um, I drove myself. Normally for these things, they have cars take us. I said, no, I need my own car. I need to know I can escape. Yeah. I need to know if I need it. Like I need to get out of jail free card. Uh, I remember that. I remember being in the kitchen. Gina was talking about Shannon and I walked away. I remember it. Like I can feel that moment of, I can't do this, but you know, it is my job. And I think a lot of times people forget that when they watch it, why did you go? Why do you do this? Like I signed a contract. I yeah. have to, to work. Yeah. Well, no. and that's, and that's why I'm so glad to be having this conversation with you because again, like you see one thing, you have like one perspective on, on everything. And that was like, honestly, that was my initial thought. Like why the hell would she go to, and it's like, yeah, you don't have a choice. Like this right. is what you, ha you have <laughs> right. to do this. Yeah. Um, so in, yeah. In, so that's in crazy. Real life, don't do that in real life. That is a really bad choice. Yeah. 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 That's, that's what I was thinking. I was watching. Well, and I was just, what I was mainly thinking about though, is just whether you wanted to be there, had to be there, whatever, like tough situation. It was a very tough situation. I am very lucky that I have people on my crew that are in the program. Oh, that's awesome. It is awesome. That's awesome. Wow. Um, so there were times where I would take a time out okay. and go and talk to someone that was in the program that I had a really great, really great, um, relationship with, mm. you know, I call, he, he's my Eskimo. He took me to my first meeting. Oh, wow. Um, wow. unbeknownst to me, like I, my first AA meeting was me throwing a fit in my home. I was, I was 30 days sober and, uh, I was trying to kick the crew out to go drink and they wouldn't leave. And so I said, oh, well, I'm gonna go to an AA meeting thinking they couldn't follow me there. They did. <laughs> um, they put the cameras down obviously, but then walked in with me because Sean was parking the car and uh, the, the crew members like, do you want me to come in with you? I said, yes, please. I was scared, scared. And as we're sitting in the room going around, he's like, my name is so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic. And I was like, oh, you're not an asshole. You're trying to help me. Wow. And that was, the, that was the moment that I really gave over to the fact that I belonged in that room. These were mm. my people. 
you know, I do want what you have. Wow. Um, and he was there with me by my side for that moment of release where I just took that boulder and handed it over to everyone there. And um, so I did, I did have, I did have that. Um, they gave me the time to go to meetings at the time they were zoom. It was all zoom at the, you know, it was during yeah. the pandemic. Um, so you don't see that obviously, but if I said I need to go to a meeting, they gave me that space. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Wow. Wow. That's pretty awesome. I, I love how you're just describing these people that, you know, well, one of them anyway, an important one, it sounds like kind of just popped up in your life, you know, at the right time, but there were these people there to, uh, to guide you and, and give you some good advice. And that's been my experience. I think that's one of the coolest things uh, about that is, you know, I've just had so many people step up that didn't want anything in return, you know, and they just wanted to kind of, you know, give, give me a, a shot as sobriety. And that's such a cool thing. It's such, it's such a beautiful gift. I never thought I'd be the person that says I'm a grateful alcoholic. Mm -hmm. When people would say that, when I tried to get sober 10 years ago, I'd be like, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, no, I am such a grateful alcoholic. I am so grateful that I get to go to AA meetings. I, I mean, I'm so grateful that I get to show up in a room full of people that listen, don't judge, and I can just release it all. I get to do that. Like, how lucky am I that I have that? I am so lucky that I never have to pick up another drink again. I never have to do that. Yeah. How nice is that? Like, it is so, I'm still, you know, not to say it's easy all the time because I, I don't want anyone to think that. There's been some days where it's been so hard, but that one day at a time thing isn't just a cute slogan, you know, yeah. just for today, just for this minute, just, and there's honestly been times just for the second, don't drink this second, don't drink this second. Yeah, absolutely. I know this is kind of a broad question, but I mean, just how has life changed for you since, since getting sober? You know, they say that these, like all of your, these are the promises and they will come true. They have for me. Um, you know, 420 days ago, I never could have imagined the things that I'm able to do right now. I mean, I literally get to do all of the things I've always wanted. I'm writing a book. I started this Amplified Voices, which I love doing. I host these mental health Zooms with other people. I'm present for my children. I get to, I get to make, I get to say, do you want me for coffee? And then I get to show up. You know, I got to make an, an appointment or a, a time to meet you and I didn't have to make an excuse of why I wasn't here. <laughs> Which I appreciate and the listeners yeah, like, too. <laughs> how beautiful is that? Yeah, but if I awesome. say I'm going to be somewhere, I'm going to yeah. be somewhere. If, yeah. if you tell me something and say, hey, please don't tell anyone, I'm not going to. Hmm. I know I can keep a secret. I know I can be a good friend. I mean, my life is that I get to be the kind of person that I would have looked up to before. You know, my word means something. Yeah. I haven't told a lie in over a year. Yeah, that's awesome. Right? That's awesome. You mentioned the promises. I'm just going to say, like, my favorite thing and, like, everything that I watched is, I guess it was during the reunion show, one of the other women brings up the, the whole thing about you slapping Sean. And your response is you basically mentioned verbatim uh you know one of the the promises which essentially talks about you know not regretting the past nor nor wishing to shut the door on it i thought that i thought that was really cool actually and 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 you know i'll say like i i could see there was like a a difference because initially when i was watching i was like you know i wonder like you kind of hope when you see someone like, I hope she's really doing something, you know, to like really stay sober, like it, recovery wise, right? Like you said, like there's just not drinking and there's, you know, and there's being sober, being in recovery. And I think there is a difference there. But then when you said that, I was like, okay, I feel like she's probably, <laughs> she's, she's probably doing, you know, some of the things she needs to be doing. But I think you just mentioned a couple of the things, but what would you say has been one of the biggest gifts that, that you've received since getting sober? Happiness, but the real kind. 
you know, that it kind of just takes you by surprise sometimes. Like you'll be watching the snow with your child or walking on the beach or anything. And it's just this real inside peace, happiness, not wanting to be somewhere else, not to, wanting to be with someone else or thinking about what's next, just this quiet contentment. That's awesome. And, you know, I think that's like, I get that 100%. Like there, there was a day years ago when I was just, my wife and I were like going to see a movie or something like that. And I think maybe I had just gotten off the phone with, uh, you know, a guy I was helping out in the program or something like that. And I was just, you know, this sounds corny, but like, I was so just like overcome with like gratitude. Like she looked over and I had a tear rolling down my cheek, you know, just out of nowhere. Like there was no like specific reason necessarily. And she's like, what, you know, what's going on? I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I just, I'm just so grateful and and happy. I think that's, that's really just the best word to sum it up. I I love hearing that from people. Yeah. It's, it's like a peaceful happiness too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so you come out as an alcoholic and then we can't fail to mention that you come out as being gay on the show, right? Did, like, what was the timeline with this? Like you, you come out as an alcoholic and then did that kind of, was the cat just out of the bag? Is like, this is who I am at this point And you were just how did all that how did all that go down so I will say the timeline for the show is is a little bit different because we were in quarantine so I think it goes from like we're renewing our vows to I'm gay in like one episode I was yeah I was kind of wondering about that like Um, what the real life timeline of all this was it was about six or seven months okay okay um but we were we were in our homes not doing much so that it was always like condensed. So I understand how a lot of people don't don't get it, but what happened? So I get sober, I get a sponsor, I start working the program and I'm going through my resentments. And I would say the majority of them are against my husband. I was angry. I was mad and I didn't know what about. And so my sponsor is working with me, trying to get all this out. And it basically comes down to, wait, I I like women, (laughs) you know, like, this is the truth of it. Like, I'm not attracted to him. Um, I I love him as a father. He's a great provider. He's a great man. He's my friend. I don't want to, I want to be the woman. Um, Keep in mind this whole quarantine time, my best friend had been in the program for 23 years. Okay. And she became my lifeline during quarantine. I had one really bad moment during quarantine it was the 45th day of quarantine. So I was probably about 70 something days sober. And I called her cause I hadn't gotten rid of all the alcohol yet. I'd kept some around for guests cause I was still in that phase where I wanted everyone to be really okay with me not drinking. Like it was more about them being comfortable than, than me being healthy. And I called her and I said, I'm about to drink this. And she's like, just don't drink it tonight. Just get through the night and I'll be there. And so we started quarantining together. She'd come over every day and just hang out with me and, and really was my rock. When I would spiral, she'd take me through steps one, two, and three. You know, she would put me to work. She'd be like, we're gonna go pick up trash. Let's go. Um, but she really got me out of my mind during those hard times. I ended up falling in love with her. Not on purpose, didn't plan it, just happened. Um, Sean, my husband at the time, so he knew what was going on without really knowing, but he knew. Okay. It wasn't yeah. a physical relationship. It was an emotional one. Mm-hmm. So he cheats on me. I find out I'm sober. Like all of this stuff kind of happens at once. So I, wow. I kicked him out of the house and um, he was gone for a while. And my girlfriend is a kind of a joke, set me up a fake Tinder account. And I was like, you know what? Why not? Why not? Yeah. And so I went out with someone and I really liked her. And it was the first time I'd ever been with a woman sober in my whole life. Wow. And I came back from that and I called one of my friends. I said, I'm not even a little bit straight. Wow. Yeah. 
And I think it was the clarity of sobriety culminated with, you know, during quarantine, I couldn't use my other defenses. I couldn't plan a party or a trip or tune out. Like I really was getting sober without any of that external stuff that I would have used as a crutch. Wow. I was like, okay, well, here we are. But the show didn't show the whole timeline because sure. we weren't filming. So I, I, even I know it doesn't make sense. Um, that's why people are confused by it. I get it, but you know. What I really like is you're describing this timing that it's like, how did all of this line up like this, right? And how did all these things fall into place like this? And, uh, you know, I was, I'll just say like, I, I, you know, you described me pretty well when you said like, went to some AA meetings back in the day, not like you people. And I was certainly not a, a spiritual person by any means, but you know, in, in my experience, there were so many things that lined up like what you just described. Oh, there's a pandemic where you have to stay home. And you can't, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, it got to the point for me where it was just like, this can't all be a mistake or just a coincidence, right? Like, have you given any thought to how all this lined up? I mean, I'm sure you have like to some so, degree. So much. I mean, so, uh, one, if I hadn't gotten sober for the pandemic, I think I would be dead. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I would just drag myself. Oh God, I can't, I can't even imagine how bad that would have been. Um, so I think the timing for me was perfect. It saved my life. Uh, the fact that I was able to be present for my kids during a very traumatic time in all of our lives. Um, my old, my second daughter during this whole thing was dealing with some really hard issues. I mean, the things that I, I dealt with, with, I mean, she tried to kill herself. Um, you know, so we have infidelity, we have a suicide attempt, wow. we have, you know, coming out like this all happened during a pandemic and I stayed sober. And I think all of this had to happen. There was no external thing. I had to face all of this head on. I, I couldn't, I couldn't tune out. I couldn't deflect. I, I had to be present for all of this. And I think that can't be an accident. No. Wow. Wow. That's a lot to deal with. That's a lot to deal with. And but here's, and this is like, if anyone is sober curious watching this, Yeah. The best part about it is this, I didn't have to deal with one of those by myself. I would log on to a meeting and I had an entire community who had dealt with it, already gotten through it and just said, here, we're here for you. You're not doing this alone. You don't have to have the answers. We have them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. You know, so we've got coming out as an alcoholic, we've got coming out is, Hey, I'm gay. Which was more difficult? <laughs> gay, for sure. Okay. For sure. Um, okay. you know, it's yeah. like everyone for you to be sober, not everyone. Some of my cast members <laughs> weren't but like yeah. normal people. Right. They want you to be sober. I feel like everyone I've ever met has been touched by this in some way, either personally or by a family member or someone. So I feel like everyone is rooting for you to get sober. Um, the few people that aren't have their own issues they need to deal with. And I, sure. I understand that. Um, when I came out as gay, people didn't like it, hmm. especially on social media. Um, I got a lot of comments from women. You have a good man at home. You should be grateful. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You're poor children. You're poor children. You're poor children. What kind of example are you setting for your kids? I mean, it, I was crucified, hmm. crucified to the point where I had to get off social media. Yeah. Um, before the reunion, I mean, you, you saw me in that outfit looking strong. Before that reunion, I was on the floor behind me crying and Bravo was like, you don't have to go to this. Cause I was, I was so broken that I was gonna drink so that I could go to rehab. Cause then I'm out of my contract. If I, if I have to go to rehab, I can get out of my contract. Okay. Um, and that to me at the time made total sense. Sure. You know, cause I was being not just vilified by social media, but by the women I work with. I mean, the things that they were saying, they were just, it was hard. It was hard. Um, 
my producer's like, why can't they show you one ounce of compassion right now? Like you're dealing with a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I, I got an out that I didn't have to go, but I decided, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it through this one day. But that reunion, if you look at the very first beginnings, I'm shaky. I was not as strong as like I, I pretended to be. I, it was hard. That was hard to do sober, you know, Mm -hmm. um, coming out was hard to do in such a open critical way. And I don't think people realize that I didn't choose to come out when I did that. The choice was taken from me from a photograph that TMZ had. So I wasn't ready to tell everyone the story yet. Um, they gave me the, the grace to tell the story in my own terms before they released it. Um, but I, I, you know, I wasn't quite ready to share this yet. And I, I had to put it out there. So the timeline was speeded up. I had just started to recognize it myself. And now I have to tell strangers and like the world. I mean, I still haven't told my grandparents, you know, like I think they know now, but, um, that was, that was hard. Once again, that was another hard thing that I had to do, but like I did it sober because drinking wouldn't have made one thing I just described better. It would make every single one worse. I'm just, again, I'm thinking about all these things that, that you've described, like, you know, stuff going on with your daughter, you know, just like (laughs) probably some strained relationships in in your life, you know, uh, much less with your, you know, coworkers, as you described it, the, the other cast members, um, you know, all this stuff going on and it's all like, it's all out there. You know, yeah. and then you have people attacking you on social media and, and all this stuff. I mean, I know you have people around you, but like, how do you th- like what, you know, I'll, I'll say tools, like what tools were you using to, to get through this? I mean, I know what I had to deal with, but again, like I'm listening to what you're describing and I feel like I, you know, it wasn't easy, but I had it pretty easy compared to what you were dealing with. Like, how did you actually get through this the phone um i have a list of people that i call there's two people that work in in my world that are sober that were amazing to me um that would talk me off a ledge and so i would start i'd start with my sponsor and then i'd go to dave who was he's i call him the housewife whisperer Um, And he would talk me down and then I would call the crew member that was, and I would literally go through the list of people. It would take me four people to get, to get normal. I mean, I wasn't, I'm not going to lie. It wasn't pretty. My headspace was bad. I was not working the program as well as I should have been. I was spiraling. Can you tell me what, yeah. What, what does that mean? Like, like describe that briefly, if you would. I was trying to take matters into my own hands. I okay. wasn't, you know, I, I, I wasn't turning my will over. I was, I, if there was a poster child for self-will run riot, it was me the two weeks before the reunion. I mean, for real, it was, my headspace was insane. And I wanted to stay that way. Like I didn't want the help at that moment. I wanted to be insane. I wanted to be right. I, I wanted my, I, I wanted, I wanted, I, 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 um, looking back, that was the exact opposite of thing I should have done. I, I, I really should have just taken a breath, let everything happen the way that it was going to. Um, and I had to learn that lesson very, very hard way, but those were my tools. I, I would call people, call, 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 call. Um, I would go to meetings. There was times where I was going to three, four a day. And like, it was like, I would just sit there like, okay. Cause every time I go to a meeting, I leave feeling a little bit better. I don't know, or a lot better. So I was just doing meetings. Um, The best thing I ended up doing was turning my social media over to someone else. That's all. That's probably a great idea. I'm, I don't see any of the comments written about me anymore. Um, I, I don't engage in any of that. I don't look for it. If someone's going to say something mean, then they're going to actually have to walk up to me and say it to my face. And no one does that. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never once had that happen. So if I can shut out that external noise, 
uh, it's really great. It was hard because I, I do love connecting with people that are trying to get sober, especially. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of people that I feel like I was helping, but uh, it was at too much of my own expense. And so I kind of, there was a comment I said on the show where I said, I'm going to put myself first. And I was attacked for that too. Like, wow, you're so self-centered. I'm like, that's not what I meant. What I meant putting myself first is knowing my boundaries and knowing when to say no and knowing how to protect my sobriety above everything else. Cause that does come first. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, Absolutely. and, yeah. and, and just walking away and just closing the door and saying, that's your job. Your job's over for now. Come over here. Yeah. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about it before we move on from the show here, because there are other things to talk about. So, you know, I'll, I'll watch Real Housewives and, and, and stuff like that with my wife pretty frequently. And <laughs> I, I, know, I know, I know. Look at me. <laughs> and so I can't help but feel like at times, and, and I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. So this is not directed at you. Like there have been times where I'm watching the show and I'm just like, it almost like feels like bad. Like it, it's just so like toxic sometimes. And so I'm just wondering like what your thoughts are now that like you're clearly your mindset's very different. You know, you're sober to say the least, like, what are your thoughts just like on, on what's going on in the show and just like all the toxic stuff going on? I think reality TV kind of went off the rails and people came to expect the fighting, the throwing, the hair pulling. And that almost became a quick, easy ratings get. Let's get that one, you know, that one little blip for next week. Tune in. Um, I am hopeful, and, and I've actually talked about this with other people that are sober in reality TV. Um, Jason Waller from the Hills, yeah. we're, we're friends. We live in the same town. Um, we just had this conversation, which was, I think, and I, well, I hope that 2020 has put this in perspective for a lot of people. I have hope that reality TV is kind of gonna change a little and it's gonna become more real. It's gonna be real lives, real women, um, dealing with things that we're actually dealing with. You know, no one's coming out of 2020 unscathed. True. Everyone is dealing with mental illness. Everyone's dealing with something right now, everyone. And, you know, our kids are depressed. They're still at home. People are you know, losing their jobs. This is hard. So I'm hoping that reality TV is sort of more indicative of the times, which is let's give each other some grace. You know, let's not keep tearing each other down so that we'll get more airtime. Let's listen instead of yell. Hmm. I'm, wow. I am, I'm hopeful-ish. I'm hopeful-ish. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get that. You know, I keep thinking there's going to be like a Bravo sobriety show because there's like, you know, so many people on Bravo. So I you did. Know? So Dave Quinn, he's one of my sober friends. Um, we are, we're pitching that to Bravo, man. You've got to do it because look, I was talking to my wife about this. She's like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, number one, like we can name like five or six people on Bravo that are in recovery, uh, probably more than that. And There's Sandy, Frederick, Lala, yeah, Lala. Kennedy, yep. uh, Leah, Leah and me. I mean, it would be, it would be a great show. It would be. And, you know, I know this is going to like someone that's not in recovery that's listening to this or watching this is like probably going to be like, eh, I don't know. But look, I'm just going to say it like being sober is kind of being like framed now is like the cool thing. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because I actually have relationships with I don't know Eric that or Frederick that well from Million Dollar Listing. Oh, yeah. But we we all talk, you know, like that's what you, I don't know if everyone realizes that. I, I talk to these people all the time. These okay. have been some of the people that I've reached out to during my sobriety where I'm having a hard time. So we already have these relationships, hmm. you know? I've gone to meetings, Zoom meetings with them. Like- That's awesome. This is a real network, like we're friends. A lot of people don't realize that on the other shows and stuff, we actually become real friends. So 
I think it would be so great because the conversations that I have, that we have, I mean, they're good. They're not always, they're not, most of them aren't about drinking or not drinking. Right. They're like hilarious and real and raw. And like, we laugh so yeah. much together. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that I'm thinking is like, you know, with something like that, you could probably show that like, Hey, guess what? Like being sober doesn't mean you're just fucking boring. Yeah. <laughs> So now that they have like the Peacock streaming, they're starting yeah. to do more of like the, the, I don't want to call them B-list, but other things. So I think that this would be a good thing, maybe like a movement, not a moment, how they had that special. But I definitely, right. think, I definitely think this is something that, that you're not the only one that's thinking about right now. No, no, I, I don't, I don't think so. Not at all. And, and I do want to talk about, you know, there's other things to talk about here. Like we, like we said. But you have this series, which you mentioned uh, a moment ago on Instagram TV called Amplified Voices. So tell us about that. What's that all about? So Amplified Voices started during the height of Black Lives Matter during quarantine. And Lynn Doyle, she's sober. Um, I'm a huge fan of hers. She had turned her platform over to women of color. And I thought, wow, what a great idea. Hmm. So I, it started with me interviewing different women of color about their experiences, um, you know, with the inequality in healthcare or their experience sending, you know, their black son to an all white school um, or just, you know, their, how they've dealt with racism through life. So that's how it started. It was like, look, I'm a middle-aged white woman. You have heard my story. My, my story has been told. Um, but what can I do right now? Because I think like a lot of us during that time period, it was like, you know, I'm here now, what can I do? And I really didn't know, you know, I was, I was new to this, mm -hmm. um, but this I can do, you know, I do have a small platform on Instagram. Let's use it responsibly and try to educate as many people as possible. And so that's how it started. And then I was like, well, you know, there's so many other stories to be told. So during transgender awareness week, we, you know, uh, did a transgender female, transgender male, uh, a mom of a transgender child, um, I've told different people's sobriety stories and how they've gotten sober or their coming out stories. And it's just been a really beautiful way to kind of take people that normally wouldn't, you know, share this kind of stuff and say, what has your experience been like? Because I don't know what it's like to be anyone but me. What is it like for you? And it's, it's really been, it's been great. And so I just recently, um, speaking of Jason Waller, you know, I just recently started working with him um, on Red Songbird, his Red Songbird Foundation. And so he's opened up his studio to me. So I'm really excited to be able to take that to the next level. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, and what a what a great idea. And um, yeah, it's so cool. I mean, I, I think like you were saying, it would be great to see reality TV or just TV in general kind of start moving in the direction with like some of these things that we see going on on social media, like some of these positive things, right? Yeah. Like that would be, um, you know, that would be pretty amazing. And that sounds like a pretty cool project. Now, are there any other projects that you can talk about that you're working on right now? So I'm writing a book, Breaking Boxes into Confetti. Um, <laughs> I love that. Okay. Um, which I'm incredibly excited about. We just uh, submitted it to publishing houses. And that's something I never could have done if I was drinking. You know, let's be honest. I tried, I failed. It never would have happened. So I'm excited about that. I've gone back to school. I want to be an alcohol and drug rehabilitation counselor. Wow. Um, you know, like I'm trying to give back as much as I've gotten, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. I've, I've been given so much in my first year sobriety. And I, just, I want to be able to help as many people as possible. Yeah. Um, We've started the mental health Zooms. They're kind of like an AA format. I really think everyone, even people that aren't addicts deserve and should have a safe place to round table talk. I <laughs> like the whole world needs AA, whether whatever you want to call it, like it is, it is amazing. Um, so I've started doing those in the last Sunday of every month and just kind of, you know, doing what I can. We, there's something called Cameo. I don't know if you've ever heard about it. Yeah, it's like, for sure. Okay. So just through Cameos, we were able to start uh, a scholarship fund for the PFLAG Newport Beach. We raised enough for the first scholarship for someone to go to college. Wow. And so now wow. we're working on a jewelry line with Blue Bud Medals to raise money for an, another kid to be able to go to college. So it's like, 
just whatever I can do to give back to the communities that have helped me, I'm here for it. That's yeah, that's so cool. And I guess that's part of what I wanted to ask you. I mean, you described like how you, you know, actually linked up with some other people and like, you know, Captain Sandy was like, hey, you just need to put it out there for accountability. But like, why do you feel like it's important to actually put yourself out there like this? Oh, God, because I'm an idiot. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have always lived my life kind of like this. Um, I've always been honest with people and and tried to be as real as I possibly could. When I was drinking, I wasn't as honest as I should have been. I was trying to hide it. But like, I've always been very open about my vulnerabilities. Um, you know, I've dealt with mental health issues my entire life. My children deal with them. Um, I think through telling our stories, there was a, there was a moment. So when I tried to get sober the second time, um, when I was in DC, I was on the floor of my closet for five days. And I remember thinking suicide was the best choice. That was the best choice for my children. And I couldn't see around the darkness. And I had this moment, this bright light call so-and-so and I said it out loud to Sean and the reason that I knew to call her was because she had been so honest about her daughter's struggles with mental health and I remember feeling safe asking her for help and she saved my life wow. her honesty in telling her stories saved my life and I promised myself in that moment that I would always share my stories because it could help someone and so when I went on the show, I was sort of promised myself to do the same thing. Um, I didn't want to sugarcoat sobriety. I feel like it's like, oh, I stopped drinking. Everything's great. I knew that wasn't going to be the case. I wanted to show people this is what getting sober is like. This is real life. I think that representation matters, you know, in TV, wow. film, books, whatever. Representation matters. I get that people watch these shows for escape. I get that. I get that it's supposed to be aspirational, but it's also nice to go, hey, you can have it all, you can be on this and you can still need help. Wow, that's powerful. That's powerful. I wanna ask before we wrap up, if there's maybe one piece of advice that you'd like to share with the sober nation, whether it's someone that's, like you said earlier, sober curious, someone that's, you know, been trying to get sober and having a tough time, or maybe someone that's, you know, relapsed a few times, if you have uh, maybe a piece of advice that you'd like to share with them? Um, I would sit down with a pen and a piece of paper and write down everything that you want in your life. What do you really truly want? And then look at that list And I promise you right now that if you stop drinking, that will all come true. You will have that. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. I had, uh, I had uh, several people share something, you know, similar with me early on in sobriety. And that's absolutely been my experience, you know, something along the lines of basically there's no limit to how good life can get in this deal. And, uh, and even if I had written it down, like I would have been selling myself short big time. So that is, that is awesome advice. You can connect with Bronwyn and tune in to Amplified Voices by following her on Instagram at Bronwyn Wyndham Burke or by visiting Bronwyn.com. Thanks again for coming on the show, Bronwyn. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, 
please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.